I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. We're sticking with the conditioning theme in a way for another episode, and I have a really exciting guest today who wants to help you improve your jiu-jitsu. I also want to help your jiu-jitsu in any way I can, and the absolute easiest thing that I can do to help your jiu-jitsu is tell you to visit epicrollbjj.com and use the coupon code PODCAST15 to take 15% off geese, rash guards, fight shorts, t-shirts, belts, and more. You will have better jiu-jitsu if you wear gear designed for jiu-jitsu, not just a random compression shirt from a big box store. Epic Roll is made by grapplers for grapplers. You can follow them on Instagram at EpicRollBJJ and make sure you use the code PODCAST15 at EpicRollBJJ.com. My guest today is a strength coach who focuses specifically on jiu-jitsu and wants to help you win matches and get injured less. Please welcome to the show, Joshua Setledge. Dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I came across your social media and I was like, all right, I got to talk to this guy. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. It's an honor to be on and it's uh, it's going to be a good time. I don't want to dive straight into like the hard hitting questions about mobility and strength in jujitsu. So the softball that I always ask people in the beginning is how did you get started in the sport and how did you find jujitsu? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a kid, um, I distinctly remember being in fourth grade and my mom asked me and my brother, we had, my brother and I had played like all the other typical sports. Like we tried basketball, which I freaking sucked at. I freaking sucked at soccer, like all that stuff. And the only things that we didn't, we hadn't tried yet were, uh, music or like playing guitar or doing some form of martial arts. And I distinctly remember my mom asking us like, look, you like this summer, you can pick, but once you pick, like you're locked in, you got to commit to it. So I said, okay. Uh, and I just watched the karate kid. So I was like, all right, that sounds pretty dope, man. So we, I did traditional martial arts and in doing traditional martial arts as a kid, which I did from about fourth grade till I was a sophomore in high school, I was exposed to a little bit of grappling, but not much. Like by the time I started jujitsu, I'd forgotten all that stuff, but I just remember that I liked it. And then in middle school is when I started wrestling. That was through a structured wrestling program at the middle school and then transitioned through to the high school. And I got really involved in wrestling. And, and for a period of time in my life, that was the number one thing. It was my favorite thing ever to do and I had a pretty uh, tumultuous wrestling journey, if you will. And I ended up not competing in wrestling my senior year of high school, but I loved training. And at, and at that point, we can get into this a little bit later. Also, I was lifting weights and I'd been lifting weights for several years so I had ditched the wrestling, kept the lifting weights side of things, and I had messed around with powerlifting a little bit and did a bodybuilding show, but nothing really filled that wrestling-shaped hole in my life. And right, right. wrestling is a very unique sport in the sense that like you can't casually wrestle. You can't casually like, oh man, I have an extra 90 minutes. Maybe I'll go see if there's a wrestling practice I could jump into. It just doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, jujitsu is like that for you know, jujitsu definitely does have its higher intensity. It's really dedicated individuals and athletes, but also at the same time, you could do jujitsu for as long as you want and you can kind of take jujitsu at your own pace. So, um, after kind of reevaluating some things that I was interested in, I was like, okay, bodybuilding is dope, but I definitely don't want to make bodybuilding my hobby, which anyone who does bodybuilding knows it's not really a hobby. It's basically just your entire life. Yeah. So that's how I got back started in jujitsu was in 2017. 
And then from there, I just continued to every month. It seemed like I was getting more and more obsessed with it, as I'm sure you probably did as well. You just started thinking about it all the time, watching all the YouTube videos, listening to podcast interviews. And I mean, since 2017, I mean, I started a company based around helping jujitsu athletes. So very quickly, I was uh, in love with the activity and still love it to this day. Well, I do a show all about jujitsu because my buddy Mike and I, we started the show together. It was the pandemic and we were like, we're already talking about jujitsu all day long. Let's record it and maybe people will want to listen to it. You're right, though. There's definitely tiers of jujitsu where you can go just as a hobby once a week and that's your workout or you can try to dedicate your life to it. And there's about four or five tiers in between those two extremes that it really fits into most people's life. Yep, 100%. And that's what's awesome about it is because depending on where you're at in different seasons in life, like I know for me several years ago, competing was my number one focus. And then then it was getting married and focusing on that, which, you know, if I want to stay married, I probably should prioritize things correctly (laughs) Uh, with jujitsu still involved in there. But it never meant that I had to give up jujitsu, like in the sense where I've, you know, I've had this conversation with several other wrestling athletes where wrestling was the number one focus. And then unless you're going to keep that focus and keep that insane lifestyle to pursue a national championship in college or pursue an Olympic medal, you really can't leisurely do wrestling unless you're coaching, which coaching is another huge time investment and a lot of dedication. But with jujitsu, you can kind of match your own jujitsu training with whatever else is going on in your life. So if things, you know, are pretty chill for you, you can start increasing the amount of times you're going to class, staying later, getting there early. But then if work is getting crazy for some people and it's like, look, I just need to make it two times a week. I'm just going to show up for 90 minutes, get my rolls in and then head home because that's all I can do right now. Uh, Jujitsu is just such an awesome activity because it can match to so many different lifestyles. Well, that's what it was for me. When I was fighting MMA, I was at 12 jiu-jitsu classes a week because that's what my job was to train jiu-jitsu. Then I'm not fighting MMA now. I have kids and a family. And when I'm not hobbled and all, I'm training at most three times a week. But that's just what fits in my life. But it's like you said, there's so many sports where you can't really do it that way. Wrestling is one of them. I really want to do an Ironman. I can't dedicate eight hours on Saturday and Sunday to riding my bike and running and swimming to train for that. There's just certain things you can't dedicate that much time to. Yep. But jujitsu fits. Jujitsu fits. Absolutely. How did you go from starting jujitsu to starting the company? What were the steps along the way that made you go from this is what I like to do to this is my business? It was a, it was a pretty rushed transition, uh, to be honest. So originally when I had graduated high school at that time, I was already in love with lifting weights and lifting weights was kind of like the first thing from a physical activity standpoint that I fell in love with. I was just obsessed with lifting, obsessed with getting stronger. I would listen to podcasts and interviews and read all these different strength and conditioning books. So I already had such a deep passion for that. But as anyone will tell you, the fitness industry and the strength industry, it's so broad. And I was kind of having a hard time like finding my niche in this kind of the broad spectrum of being a strength coach or being involved in the fitness industry. Um, But I also was very interested in physical therapy and sports rehab and things like that. So coming out of high school, I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. 
And I kept thinking that all the way up until I actually worked at a physical therapy office. And then I realized pretty quickly, like, oh, this probably actually isn't going to be for me if like, it's only been two months and I'm already like checking the clock every 15 minutes. And I don't know if I want to spend the next 40 years of my career doing this. And so it kind of, I had kind of had this deer in the headlights moment where I was frozen and didn't know what I wanted to do, but all I knew that I loved doing was lifting weights. And so I knew that, okay, if I can just create a career for myself around lifting weights, that's good enough for me. And so shortly thereafter was when I started jujitsu and I quickly realized like, man, there's a huge problem in the sport of jujitsu. That's very similar to wrestling, but they're kind of on two opposite ends of the spectrum wrestling it's super clear and everyone for the most part understands that being stronger and being faster is going to help you, but they just go about it the completely wrong way. They're overtraining constantly. The, the injury rate in wrestling is through the roof. But on the other hand, jujitsu is experiencing a lot of the same problems where the injury rates are through the roof, but it's not because they're doing too much lifting. It's often because they're not doing enough or they're not following strength and conditioning that's appropriate for those sports. They're following a football program or a classic bodybuilding program or maybe a traditional powerlifting program. And so as I started jujitsu, I already had this deep love for strength and conditioning and I was quickly falling in love with jujitsu. And then it all kind of clicked after I did a tournament. It was the first tournament I did as a white belt. I had two matches. Um, it, the rules of the tournament and how everything was set up was a little suspect. I'm pretty sure there's a dude who was like almost 50 years old in my for my first match. And then that, there's another guy that I'm pretty sure was the same age as me. So it was just a it was a, uh, a fun first time event that uh, I don't know. It was just the, it was just an interesting event, so to speak, but in seeing everyone compete at the event, I quickly realized like, dang, like, I think I'm the only person that really lifts and trains like an athlete outside of this. Now it was a beginner level tournament. So that does have something to, uh, that does contribute to that notion as well. But I just realized that, okay, I have this big love for strength training, this big love for jujitsu that's constantly growing more and more. And there's a huge need in the jujitsu community for sound strength and conditioning training and sound strength and conditioning education. And so I basically met my own needs and just started diving into figuring out ways to optimal, optimally train for jujitsu. And then all my training partners just started asking me like, Hey man, like, are you a personal trainer? Like, can you train me? And I'd say like, well, I'm not really a personal trainer, but I'm going to school for kinesiology and exercise science. So I, yeah, I can help you out, I guess. And more and more people started asking, and then it just clicked like, you know what, like I should probably start a company focused around strength and conditioning, coaching and education specifically to help jujitsu athletes, because all these people are asking and there's definitely a need for it. Well, I think what you touched on is 100% true. Jiu-Jitsu started with the BJ Penn mentality of the small man can beat the big man. So I don't need to work out because my jujitsu will carry me, which is problematic. Because if you have the same skill as someone else and they're stronger, they win. So that works against the untrained attacker, but not in a sports situation. Or like you said, people don't know how to work out the right way. They don't know how to program the right way. So they end up doing, like you said, a bodybuilder split. When you look at people who don't know what they're doing, which I think sounds really derogatory, so I don't know if I want to phrase it that way, Uh, let's say inexperienced lifters, can you point to something that you can say everyone does this wrong or is that really person to person? It is definitely person to person, but I would say the easiest thing is just, and I, you know, 
us being younger guys, like we've been able to see social media explode and especially all these crazy viral lifting videos on social media. Uh, as someone that has kind of like been lifting for over a decade and has talked to so many people, you kind of recognize very quickly, like that crazy lift that that guy did on that hoverboard squatting three girls on his back. That is definitely not a normal thing that he does. And that's almost like a circus act. Um, but unfortunately beginners can't really differentiate like some stuff. Okay. Maybe if he's on like unicycle and overhead pressing, okay, that's kind of ridiculous, but some stuff, yeah. some beginners. And I mean, we could even just call them like lifting white belts. They don't necessarily realize that that is not what that person does every single day to train. And that's not even what that person did to get that strong. A lot of times people look at the top strength athletes or like, well, if I just, I need to get stronger. So I'm going to look up world's strongest man and they show the world's strongest man doing what he's currently doing, not realizing that he spent 20 years building an enormous foundation of work that started with something that's super, super, super basic. And so I'd say, you know, to circle back to your question, I think the number one thing that I see a lot of these lifting white belts, I want I don't want to say get wrong, but are definitely misinformed on is that they're trying to jump ahead from where they should be starting. It's more important to take things really slow. Um, I mean, jujitsu is a perfect example of this because we all know like, okay, we start jujitsu as a white belt, not knowing anything, but as soon as we know just a little bit, we start searching up moves on YouTube and then immediately trying to do them. And of course they never work because we don't even have the foundations of how to do a proper hip escape, what it means to hold someone in different types of guard, what it means to have strong posture, what it means to have a strong base, but we're already jumping ahead to some crazy move we saw on YouTube and are already trying to do it. And that happens a lot in lifting where people look at these training methods of these advanced athletes and immediately start implementing them. And a couple of things will happen. Either they're not going to get the results that they're looking for because they don't really have a foundation of athleticism or a foundation of strength to see any proper results or the worst case scenario, they end up getting hurt. And unfortunately you get hurt in the gym. That oftentimes means that you're not going to be able to go to jujitsu time away from jujitsu is never really a good thing. In my opinion, time away from the gym is never really a good thing. I could hang out there every day, but, um, I agree when you start correlating that, okay, going to the gym, every time I go to the gym, I get hurt. Okay. Well, that's not how it's supposed to be. Every time you go to the gym, you should be leaving the gym feeling better than when you walked in. And if that's the correlation that they're building is that every time I go to the gym, I get hurt. But when I go to jujitsu, I feel okay. Then you kind of have this negative self-fulfilling prophecy where the gym has this negative connotation. You're also not going to the gym, which means you're not getting stronger, which means that you're more likely to get injured in jujitsu, unfortunately. A big thing that people could do better or different is have the mentality of even if you're just a hobbyist adding one extra level of doing something for your strength or your conditioning will make your jujitsu better because if you're a paying customer to go to jujitsu don't you want to get the most out of that jujitsu and just in terms of like from a conditioning factor if you can only do four or five sparring rounds and you're sitting on the side because you're too tired to keep to keep rolling, you're not getting your full money's worth. Absolutely. So just from like a fiscally from a fiscally responsible side of things, shouldn't you do something to improve that conditioning to get the most out of it when you're there? I, I just don't understand if you want to do something why you don't do enough to make it really, really good. But I'm also like a jujitsu nerd who's a crazy person, but Absolutely. 
And I think the one thing I'll say, one mistake I made at the beginning when I started my company and, and started to talk to all these jujitsu athletes was I was, because I was just a born meathead, as soon as I discovered lifting weights, I was like, this is my thing. Like, I'm just going to lift weights and try to get jacked for the rest of my life. Not everyone else thinks that way, which is totally fine. But no, not everyone may want to be as jacked as possible. Not everyone may look at Arnold Schwarzenegger or Dorian Yates or Ronnie Coleman and say, like, I would love to look like that. But I think it's pretty safe to say that nobody wants to get injured and getting stronger is one of the number one things you can do to decrease your risk of injury. And I think a lot of times jujitsu athletes will look at the stuff that happens in the gym, or they'll see even some of the workouts that I'm doing with, with my athletes in the AM crew. And they'll say like, man, like I see all that stuff that they're doing and I don't necessarily want to get bulky. I don't want to get slow, which those things are kind of myths anyway, but that's besides the point. But they'll see that and they'll be like, man, okay, maybe the gym isn't for me because I don't want to get too big or I don't, I don't want to get too bulky. And okay, sure. But also at the same time, I think it's safe to say you probably don't want to get injured either. And your negative connotations with the gym could actually be leading you to have a higher risk of injury in the future. And if jujitsu athletes focused on, okay, instead of me focusing on trying to get big or trying to get jacked, which if you do want to do that, that's great. But instead of focusing on what can I do to decrease my risk of injury? So that way I can do more jujitsu more often and have a better time doing it. And one of the best things you can do to accomplish those things is to get stronger. I think people who have the mentality of, I don't want to lift because I don't want to get too bulky. Like, oh, I don't want to go to jujitsu because I don't want to get up, get too good and accidentally become a black belt. Yeah. Like those, they don't yeah. just accidentally happen. It doesn't just like, oops, I got huge and I'm bulky and I'm too strong. Like it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. But I think that speaks to people just not understanding what happens at the gym. Yeah, I do. I, people that, uh, I, and these are even people that I've talked to outside of jujitsu and outside of lifting, but they'll talk to me about gym stuff and they'll be like, yeah, man, like, you know, I, I like, I, I just do my runs and stuff, but I don't really lift weights because, you know, I get big really fast when I do that. And I'm thinking like, dog, you have no idea. I've been trying for the last decade <laughs> to get this big and I'm not big enough yet. So I'm pretty sure if you just like do three sets of 10, you're not going to get completely. Yeah you'll, be okay. yeah. you'll be all right. But you mentioned about social media and social media, I think is one thing that obviously you do really well. It got me to the point where I was like, I'm a fan of what you're doing. I got to talk to you on this show. Was that something you did right away when you started the company or was that something that came later where you were posting as frequently as you are on social media? Yeah. So as soon as, I mean, I've kind of been like a fan of social media since it started. Um, I never made a MySpace, but, uh, when Facebook came out and they like expanded it from it just being college students to being everybody, I had made a Facebook and some of that stuff I kind of liked, but Instagram, as soon as it came out, I was hooked and I uh, had an art scholarship in college and did tons of art in middle school and high school. So the artistic and photography side of Instagram, I thought was freaking sick. And then, you know, all these different niche communities came out. So like comic book art was blown up on Instagram and you have uh, like graphic design blown up on Instagram. So I was just a fan of the app itself. And then it kind of ex exploded into this whole, you know, business marketing space, which I think I was just thankful enough to be interested enough in the Instagram app to recognize pretty quickly, like, Hey, this actually can be something that could help a lot of businesses. 
at the time I wasn't even thinking of starting a business. I was still in high school, but it did prepare me for when I did start a company thinking like, okay, I could use social media to my advantage. I have been on the app a long time and I've looked at all, all the different ways all these other people have really marketed themselves on social media. And so now it's time for me to start implementing those things as well. And so I wouldn't say that when I started the company, I was doing Instagram, quote unquote, the right way. Um, it definitely took several years. And even now I'm still learning and still trying to figure out new things that I can do to maximize my growth on the platform. But uh, it definitely was a big part of the marketing scheme and kind of getting the word out there when I first started. It's one of the main things that I use, not even for like like a marketing or trying to promote my show or my or whatever. It's just such a good tool where you can go on and you can see like a lot of nonsense, like a lot of technique that doesn't work. But there's a lot of good stuff that you can see in a 10 second clip on Instagram that can get you down the rabbit hole of like, oh, I really like, you know, blah, blah, pass. Let me look more yeah. into that. And it's such a good intro for jujitsu into some higher level techniques when you can sort of get a, a quick glimpse of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I know for, for me, like one of the coolest things about uh, starting jujitsu after there was already plenty of jujitsu techniques on Instagram was that I would just start saving any jujitsu technique I found interesting. And I would just watch all those saved videos when I was standing in line at Chipotle or uh, maybe like waiting in the car to pick up uh, my girlfriend, now wife. And you could just like constantly be downloading more and more information. And, you know, I'm not at a point where I could, you know, watch something 30 times on an Instagram clip and be like, okay, like I'm going to go hit that in these live roles later today, but it at least gets the gears turning and at least sparks some creativity. And even if I'm not able to fully mimic some drill that I saw Paula Miao do or mimic some, you know, leg lock entry that I saw in one of those leg lock Instagram accounts, it at least gets me thinking like, okay, I never thought of doing it that way, but maybe there's something to explore there that I could use in the future. Yeah. And it's really been like a good Instagram for me, I guess the biggest thing has been like a connection tool to yeah. where, especially now doing this show where it's like, I sent you an Instagram message, like, Hey, you want to come on the show? I, I just, I see someone do something cool or someone's working on something cool or doing some charity thing or whatever, and I can send them a message. And jujitsu isn't a sport where like I can't message like LeBron James and he's not coming on my show, but I can message yeah. Lachlan Giles and he comes on the show. Like that shouldn't happen. Like it's yeah. crazy. And I, it's such a good, it's such a good platform for like connecting with some of the stars in the sport. A lot of the stuff that I see you post you have a heavy emphasis on mobility and, and movement. Is that in your approach and your philosophy, would you say mobility for jujitsu is one of the biggest like foundation pieces? I think uh, it, it definitely is a, is a foundation. Um, and so the way I would describe mobility is just mobility in the, what differs it from flexibility, so to speak, is that mobility is your ability to move into a certain position, stabilize that position, receive load in that position, and then produce force out of that position. So a super easy example is like a squat. If you have good squat mobility, you could squat down. You're not going to be falling all over the place. You're not going to you know, be losing your balance or anything. So you could stabilize that squat position, but also you could receive some load that doesn't mean you need to squat a thousand pounds by any means, but at least having a little bit of additional load is going to be beneficial. And then being able to produce force out of that position. So can you stand up explosively out of a squat? That would be my definition of mobility. And because jujitsu 
I mean, it is so unique in all the positions that you get in that you rarely ever find yourself in any of the sports, unless you're doing any derivative of jujitsu or derivative of grappling sport, the mobility requirements. So your ability to get into certain positions and stabilize those positions are way different than anything else you would find in a field sport in any sort of other hand-eye coordination sport. I mean, it is so different. It's, it's, unless you do jujitsu, it's hard to describe, like, describing to someone that's never grappled before what it what it means to go inverted they just think like what are you talking about like inverted like backwards like well yeah but upside down but on your back like i don't i got no idea what you're talking about so mobility is a huge kind of foundational piece of my training and how i work with all my athletes because ultimately I want every athlete that I work with to be able to be better equipped for jujitsu and just be able to move effectively in all the positions we find ourselves in jujitsu. And then from there, if you have adequate mobility, so you can move into and safely get into all these different positions from there, you already have a great foundation to build strength off of. And then if you're able to get stronger, not only are you going to move better, but the force that you produce out of those positions is going to be greater because you're getting stronger. And you mentioned working with athletes. Where where in the world geographically are you? Sacramento. So I'm I'm in Sacramento, California, okay. and I've been here my whole life. And I train at Castle Warnock Jiu Jitsu, which is just outside Sacramento. Um, and I've been blessed to work with a lot of athletes here in California, but also just all over the United States and around the world. And it's been awesome just to kind of see all these different cultures, you know, finding pockets of jujitsu all across the world, which when I first started, you know, thankfully Sacramento and California is kind of a hotbed for jujitsu, at least in the United States. Um, but then here in like, man, like I get to work with a guy in Egypt who has a jujitsu school in Egypt and there's someone in Paris and Rome and, and Korea. And it's just, it's been awesome. So when you're working with those people where you're not like quote unquote hands-on, you know, they're remote and what does that look like? How are you able to work with them like I'm assuming like over zoom or just from so far away. Yeah. So essentially I want to make things as seamless and simple as possible because unless you're a meathead like me, most jujitsu athletes going to the gym, isn't going to be the most exciting part of their day or even the second most exciting part of their day. And so I want to make sure that when every athlete that I work with goes into the gym, they have everything that they need to get in, get out and make sure that not only are they safe during the training session, but also that they leave the training session feeling better than they originally went in. So if I'm working with an athlete on a one-on-one basis online, usually I just write out a full training program for them. It's usually about a couple of weeks long, and then it gets updated based off of how well those training sessions go. So I have a couple athletes who are also first responders and police officers, and they do jujitsu, and then they also have their gym time. So they may say like, Hey, you know, I was out super late last night going on a call to take out some fire. Then I'll go in, I'll be able to adjust their training. Cause if they followed some bodybuilder or powerlifting program, they'd say, okay, well, I just took out this fire and I'm going to go to jujitsu later. But this program from some powerlifter said that I need to squat super heavy, uh, 10 doubles at 85%. Okay. You know, and that's not always the yeah, best, yeah. the best option for those situations. So I really, uh, do my best to take care of each athlete that I can and make sure that everything is specialized for them. They go in with the spreadsheet that has all the mobility work, all the warmups, the exercises, all the sets and reps and accessory exercises that are needed to make sure that they're able to get stronger and then decrease the risk of injury as well. When you're writing these programs for people, 
obviously you're taking into account like their lifting experience and their their mobility experience. Do you program based on jujitsu experience as well, or are you looking more as what you're doing is helping the jujitsu? So, a pro, if I'm a person who has identical strength and mobility as a white belt and I'm a brown belt, would we have similar programs or would they be different based on our experience? That, that would ultimately depend on the training goals of the athlete. So I have two athletes that I'm working with right now that are both that they're both black belts. One of them is competing at ADCC trials. One of them isn't competing anytime soon at all. And so the, their training is obviously very different. The athlete that I'm working with that's prepping for ADCC trials I'm already taking into account that all the live training that he does is going to be very taxing. He's going to be doing a lot more hard spine rounds. He's going to be doing, and even the rules of ADCC change how we're going to be training from a strength and conditioning perspective as well. On the other hand, the other black belt athlete that I work with, I know he's training, you know, probably four or five times a week, but he's not doing competition rounds all the time. He's probably, he may roll every round back to back to back, but he's also a coach. So he may be rolling a couple rounds and then be observing and watching some other group and coaching another one of his athletes. So their jujitsu experience does, I do take that into account, um, depending on the athlete and their goals and even just how they do jujitsu as a whole. Some athletes are super mobile and flexible and they love getting put into these crazy positions where they kind of let themselves get smashed, but they find a way out of it or find a submission out of there. I definitely take that into account because if we immediately start strength training them and we immediately start packing on a little bit more muscle, their mobility, if we're not careful, may get impeded just a little bit. On the other hand, if we have an athlete that is focused on being heavy and pressure passing and using their size and weight advantage uh, or their size and weight discrepancy to their advantage, then we have to train a very specific way that still allows them to have those advantages that still allows them to use those advantages as they're rolling, while also making sure it's like, Hey, you're really big. You're really strong and really heavy already, but we could probably improve your mobility a little bit. We could probably improve your conditioning a little bit. So let's work on those things. Also, we're not going to take away your bread and butter, so to speak, but we do want to bring up these weak points just a little bit. So there are a lot of variables that come into effect when you're trying to schedule programming for a lot of different athletes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Training experience. Um, even people that just, you know, and I'm sure for someone with as much experience on the mat and especially with your MMA training, every coach is different. So some coaches have give their athletes a lot of autonomy where it's like, Hey, we're going to do a technique as a class for 45 minutes. And then it's kind of open mat style for 45 minutes. And that's great because then I could work with an athlete and say, Hey, if you're, if you have 45 minutes of open mat style rolling, let's get three hard comp style rounds and let's get three positional rounds. They don't need to be super high intensity like competition, but we do want to get repeated exposure to these different positions, to sweeps from half guard, to being able to escape mount, things like that. On the other hand, you have some coaches that, you know, and I think there's benefits to both approaches, but they're very structured and very detailed and how they run a class where it's 45 minutes of drilling one specific technique. And then it's 45 minutes of very specific rolling based on the standards that the coach has for the day. And if I'm working with an athlete like that, and that definitely changes how we would approach the strength conditioning side as well. So uh, yeah, to circle back, there are, there are quite a bit of variables involved. And you, when you're doing remote and you're, you're doing your, your clients, you do, would you take on clients who were like, 
listen, Joshua, I've never listed, lifted a day in my life. I need to start from scratch. Can can we work together? Or are you looking to only really work with more experienced, intermediate athletes? I used to in the beginning. At the beginning, I would just take any jujitsu athlete that wanted to work with me. Um, but now it's got, I mean, thankfully it's gotten to a point where the rot, the athlete roster that I'm working with is pretty capped out. And so I couldn't take on any more athletes. And that's ultimately what led me to design the strength matrix was, okay, it's not going to be 100% customized training for your specific needs as an athlete, but it is sound strength and conditioning training that meets all the needs of a jujitsu athlete that takes into account how many days are rolling, that takes into account what you're going to be experiencing on the mat. And if someone comes in with zero experience, instead of me working with them one-on-one and giving them something that would be pretty similar to what they would find in the strength matrix already. Normally I just have them run the strength matrix for a while, do a few of those training programs for a few training cycles, and then we can work together and start tweaking things and making things more personalized and take it from there. Now I've had several athletes take that approach and it's been awesome to see their development and to see their growth as an athlete and to see them not only just improve and, and get stronger from gym standards, but also look at how that's improving their jujitsu game as well. Looking at how they're able to have a little bit more confidence when they roll with someone who's a little bit bigger or maybe a little bit more athletic. Now that they've kind of bulletproof their body a little bit, bulletproof their joints a little bit, and are able to step into those training rounds with just a little bit more confidence. So if someone wanted to get involved, they wanted to learn from you, they wanted to, to, to be a client, where should they be looking for more information? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram at Joshua Setledge. You guys can also check out my YouTube channel, which is Setledge Strength, the BJJ Strength Coach. That's S-E-T-T-L-A-G-E, Strength, the BJJ Strength Coach on YouTube. And then if you're looking for training programs and, and training resources and educational material, that's all focused on enhancing your performance on the mat so you can win more matches and get injured less you can go to thestrengthmatrix.com and you can check out the training programs we have and uh, join the team. Definitely follow on social media because you'll be scrolling when you're standing in line and you'll be trying to do mobility workouts that you see Joshua doing and you're trying yes, to get sir. it done when you're standing behind people looking like a crazy person. But yes, sir. I'm going to link to I'm going to link to everything below in the description, awesome. everything we talked about. That way people I'm assuming you're going to want to get involved based just on our conversation. And you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little weary. I don't want too many people to get involved because I consider myself like a stronger grappler. So if people start closing that gap, it's going to be a little tougher for me, but I'll Dude, link to everything below. So everything can, everyone can check it out. Thank you so much, man. To, to that point, it's already been shooting me in the foot. Some of the guys I lift with, like there are a couple, uh, upper belts that I would roll with that before we started lifting together and before they joined the AM crew, like I was bigger and stronger. So yeah, technically they're piecing me up a little bit, but you know, I was still holding my own. And then now that they're getting stronger, it's been game over. They've been piecing me up left and right and nothing's working anymore. So it has shot me in the foot just a little bit. I've always considered myself a really well-conditioned grappler and I can go and go and go and go and go. So with my knee, I'm going to be basically, I got hurt in January. I'm not going to be drilling again until like July. So like September, if I'm like actually rolling again, cardio is gone. That conditioning is gone. So when I'm rolling with those big dudes who like, I'm just letting them smash for a little bit to tire them out. And then I have my way with them for three minutes at the end of the round. That's going to be gone. Like I'm already so depressed about it, but maybe, uh, maybe once I can get back to actually like doing 
exercise. I might be hitting you up to to, yeah. to help me with getting back to it because I'm a I'm a good lifter. I've lifted for my entire adult life, but I'm gonna have you know six or seven months of no activity. So I might need a little help getting back to it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, whatever you need, just hit me up. I got you. I will. I appreciate it, Joshua. Thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting. I know you get a random Instagram message from someone who says, Hey, I like your stuff. Can we talk about it? So I appreciate you coming on for a little bit. Of course. Absolutely, man. This was a pleasure. I'm super happy to be on the show and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Joshua. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Have a good one. Big thank you to Joshua Setledge for coming on the show. I linked to all of his stuff below. So please check that out. If you like this episode, maybe your friends will like it maybe share it with them. It would help me out and they will be eternally grateful to you for introducing them to me. There is more content coming shortly, so please stay tuned for that and I will see you all next time.